for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organizations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker, and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business, Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges joined by relevant experts and real life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Hi there. It came to my attention last week that some of the people who listen to the podcast don't realise how much live content that I generate. So I thought I'd just let you all know that I run monthly webinars on a variety of HR topics. Uh, Next one is, I think it's uh, culture change, I think is what's coming up. We're doing various rethinking topics imminently. So if you'd like to join one of our lunchtime webinars, please do sign up. You can go to our Actus website or we'll put the links in the show notes because I make them as interactive as possible and you can eat your lunch at the same time. So those are our live webinars and I run those myself, but I'm also running some guest webinars this year and I'm excited that on the 6th of March we're going to have Kat Wildman answering your diversity and inclusion questions. So post those into us look out on LinkedIn where we'll be asking for those questions and do join us we'd love to have you hello and welcome to this week's HR uprising podcast and this week we're going to have a really practical episode I'm delighted to have Kat Wildman with me who's a scientist and technologist and founder of Powered by Diversity now she's going to explain more about her background and what she does But really what we wanted to do in this episode is get practical about where do you start with EDI? If you want to do something about it, whatever the size of the business you work with, if you're an HR department of one or a medium sized business or a large business, where do you start if you want to start driving this forward in 2024? Kat, welcome. And do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's lovely to be here. Um, So yes, I'm Kat Wildman. I am a scientist turned technologist and I became a founder in 2020, just before the whole world (laughs) was thrown up in the air again. Um, And I have never looked back since. So you're um, back, you say you're scientist and technologist, and obviously you know you're all about diversity. How did you get to this point or what was it that you were involved in previously? Yeah, that's a great question. So uh, having done a science degree and doing science throughout all of my all of my GCSEs, A-levels and then doing a degree, um, I was one of the only females. Um, and when I went into my first job, happened to be in technology, I, I later realised it's a very similar mindset. Working in science and working in technology is the way of thinking, which we'll talk about later. Um, but I, again, I was one of the only females and I couldn't, when I got to manager level and I was a recruiting manager, I, I didn't understand why women weren't applying for roles um, because I was like it's cool science and technology is cool I don't get why we have this dearth of females and other diversity in technology and so I got really involved in women in tech girls in tech diversity in tech initiatives and I was going to all of these things and I then the gender pay gap reporting initiative came out in 2017 
And I thought this is a massive, massive opportunity for for everything, you know, like we really could with this legislation in place, we could make some really good headway. Um, and I just thought this is what we need to do. We need to be able to baseline. We need to be able to measure all of the contributing factors that lead to gender pay gaps. And we need to be measuring how we're doing against those as an organization. I was working for a large company at the time. Yeah. And we need to be able to close those gaps in order to facilitate the movement of people to leadership level. That logically, in my mind, was the way we needed to address it. And so I went looking for this solution and it didn't exist. And so I thought, right, I'm just going to start researching it just quietly, side of the desk. And I got so into the research and then it expanded into different protected characteristics and I couldn't not do it, especially because I've got three children and I just thought, do you know what? I want to do this. I want to be part of the solution. I want to be in the arena. When I tell my kids how unfair the world is, I want to be part of the team who are solving the problem. I love your passion. So that's a great thing to have found a business based on a passion. So your whole, I guess your mission then is about uh, identifying ways in which talent isn't wasted in diversity. What what do you do with Empowered by Diversity before we dig into how we can practically um, do this with organisations? Yes. So we work with the company. So we work with HR directors and HR teams and HR consultants to help them to, to empower them to do their own brand of EDI. So rather than being consultants ourselves and coming in and going, right, this is what you need to do. This is what it needs to look like. Actually, what we do is we work really closely with those HR teams and those HR people to go, what does eight, what does diversity and inclusion look like at this organization you're working with? Because you're the experts, it's your brand, it's your customer sets, your culture that you've built. What does what does EDI look like there? You know, I, I don't know. All I can do is facilitate and show you your data, show you your gaps, help with training needs, help introduce you to really great people who can consult on a really specific part like gender pay gap reporting, you know, like do an amazing calendar of events. But actually our, our thing that we're really strict about is that the organization needs to be empowered throughout the process. That's what we want. We want to create confident EDI leaders who can then come to us and go, oh my gosh, we did this great initiative. We found this gap with you. We did this really great initiative to close it and it worked. Look at these results. And I'm like, well, that's fantastic because they need to understand that they have the power, the skills and the expertise. They just need the confidence. And that's the bit that we try and fill in. Brilliant. Okay. And I guess, and you, when we were talking earlier, you don't just aim at large organisations, you aim at organisations of all sizes. In fact, I think you said SMEs in particular, you, you support. Yes. Yes. So in fact, we we only target, we only focus on the needs and the, the problems that SMEs are having. You know, our smallest, the smallest organization that we work with, I mean, we work with solo HR people who work with, you know, 20 different businesses. But I think the smallest company we've got is four people. We've got one with six people because one of the things I noticed during that research period that I was talking about before is that everybody was focusing on large organizations because they want to make money. Actually, what really annoyed me was that there was nothing available for SMEs and they had the exact same problems, different needs and slightly different problems. And they needed a more tailored solution. They needed something that involved human beings and support. They needed a human person that they trusted to be able to go to and go, you know, we're thinking of putting pronouns in our signatures. How do you recommend we go about that? Do we make that compulsory or how would we roll that out? What do you think? That's what they need. They need that human support. And we've 
built up a collective of over 400 people who can provide that service. We'll introduce them. And also me, that's the main thing that I do all day long. Um, but everyone was just ignoring them. And I thought that they make up the majority of organizations and they make up, I think, the majority of employers as well. I need to check my data on that. But it just didn't make any sense. And it just it was it was capitalist and it was just bad. And I thought, you know what? We're only going to focus on them. And it made it a bit tougher to find investors because they were like, okay, your average customer value is going to be low. And I'm like, yeah, that's because we're going to be financially accessible. We don't want to break their banks. So yeah, that's what we do. There are people. There's low, And you're right, there's absolutely huge numbers and I think of people in, in smaller businesses. And I think there's lots of people who listen to this podcast you know, who, who can't necessarily afford to get the big guys in and, and do that. So actually, how could, and that's one of the reasons we do the podcast, is we can give practical free advice. Um, and also, I guess, what you do, you're, you're accessible as well in terms of this. So I suppose before we go into our sort of practical, you know, where do I get started with this? Let me just step back and go. So if I am uh, an HR professional within a smaller business, why should I? Pri I've got lots of things to prioritize. OK, I, I don't. There's so many things, whether it's recruitment, whether it's um, performance issues, whether it's developing people. Why would I want to give some of my energy to EDI? What's in it for me, my business? What's the sort of strategic angle on this? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when you look at the research, I did uh, about three years research on this before we ever put finger to keyboard in terms of writing code on the platform. Everything EDI is so completely interspersed with all of your other things that you're doing as an HR director. So all of your engagement, all of your, you know, team motivation, your team building stuff, your celebrations, even your rewards and rewards, your promotions process, your hiring process. Everything is so enmeshed with EDI that actually we don't advocate doing EDI as, a, as a, a side thing that's why the first step of our process is we engage the whole leadership team because it needs to go through everything you do so instead of going okay right we're going to do the promotions process over here and right okay what are we doing on EDI rather it's the mindset of right we're doing the promotions process let's have a look at how many people are getting exceeds expectations and let's look at that let's make sure we're looking at that data because we might see a demographic difference sticking out here you know if only you're you know 20 to 30 white men are getting exceeds expectations and you've got this group of you know females or, or diverse you know people who are different to that group getting you know requires improvement or whatever the same with things like you know building your leader your leadership track and that you know the quadrant where you look at your key talent and you monitor it actually I spoke to an HR director last year who said you know we've got this group of emerging leaders but it seems like the men are ready for leadership a lot quicker than the women and i said we need to go back to your definitions of ready to ready for leadership because that's a, you know there's bias there for sure because what are you looking for them to step into you know if you're trying to make men morph into this mold you have in your mind of a leader here it's going to be more difficult for a female to morph into that mold if the mold is, you know, male biased. And, and it's those sorts of things rather than going EDI is a thing on the side. It's, it's you know, we're looking at rebranding. We're looking at doing an advert. How do we put EDI through that? How do we make sure we're appealing to the broadest audience we can? You know, we're going to put some comms out. Have we checked our language? Have we made sure that we haven't put any exclusionary terminology through that? It's, it's actually just something that needs to go through every single, single thing that you do, you know, from your accounting to, you know, things you put out there in front of your customers. 
And I guess that's going to link into the data that you're talking about here in terms of looking at all the different areas and where you might have um, gaps or potential bias uh, in, in terms of this. Do you, though, with the organisations that you work for, do you find that they buy in? Because obviously someone's got to buy into the work and effort of doing something about EDI. And it's quite possible that the leaders within an organisation are the ones that, you know, it's in their shadow that things are being recruited by. So they may not see the problem. So so do what is the motivator? Is it about brand or is it about doing the right thing or do they see financial benefit in EDI? And I guess this also links back to if you are the HR professional saying we need to do something about this, you're banging the drum, but you feel like you might be on deaf ears. What can we say that would actually make this seem like an important thing to do? That is a great question. So this has actually changed since we launched. So we launched in September 2020 and it started off as being a legislative thing. So, oh my gosh, gender pay gap reporting is coming for us. We need to do something right now. Like, forget about everything else. When George Floyd was murdered and um, like very shortly after the gender pay gap reporting initiative went live and after we launched, the conversation turned away from gender. We don't want to, you know, the government shelved their gender pay gap reporting initiative in that year because it was COVID. Um, and organisations came to us and they said, we want something about race and anti-racism right now. Forget about everything else, just race and anti-racism. Right. And so actually there's been a lot of running into the fire and yeah. reactive behaviours. Now that all of that stuff has settled down a bit, what we're finding the driving force of people coming to us is the employees so if an organization is not doing anything their talent is going hang on a minute why are we not celebrating neurodiversity week why are we not set the you know their the the employee base is so hyper aware of this stuff now the majority of companies that come to us wouldn't be able to get away with it because their employees would be like why are we not doing anything especially because a lot of them have gone on a hiring for diversity drive i'm doing the bunny ears yeah. for people yeah. who can't see me um hiring for diversity drivers so they've brought in all this diverse talent and so they need to be able to cater to it you know they need to be able to show that those unique things that make those people different you know those differences why they brought them in are valued and celebrated um another driving force i would say is people you know there's a triangle of driving forces so our dream triangle is employees wanting it customer facing you know your customer facing in a way and then the societal pressure so the customers if you are customer facing you're putting something out there that is going to be needing to appeal to a wide base you don't want to get anything wrong you know we live in a very sensitive era where people will pick stuff up and they'll shout about it loudly online so there's that the closer people are to the customers the more they put out there the more sensitive they are to this and then societal you know all that societal pressure that's going on is waking up the employees who then add their pressure and then that's the perfect triangle. Um, but we also get people who just know it's the right thing to do. So we'll occasionally get, and this is the minimum uh, of our customers, I'd say we would occasionally get a really switched on CEO or MD who goes, I want to make sure that we're doing EDI throughout everything that we do. And then we get that. That's probably the easiest to work with um, because the leadership team are already super, super duper engaged. Yeah, that's great, isn't it? If you've got that. And I suppose so. the other things you're talking about, really, it is, it's kind of employer brand in terms of both attracting the right people, retaining the right people and how you're perceived in the marketplace if you're customer facing. Um, yeah, exactly. I right mean, yes, I think the attraction and the retention bit, 
I think that we are getting to a stage where we are going to be able to track back those changes to to attraction retention. I don't think we're there yet in terms of having amassed enough data to be able to convince leadership teams. The research is out there. You know, there's tons and tons of research that says the more diverse teams you are, the more innovative you are, the more that you work on inclusion, the more you'll retain your staff, and the more motivated and productive they'll be. But actually, in terms of I have personally at my company seen this happen I think we're a few years off that yet and I think we need to a little bit better collectively us included at helping people to be able to track what you're doing in EDI with the positive benefits that you're seeing in you know on your bottom line actually absolutely and it takes a while to come through if any sort of leading indicator I guess EDI is maybe like engagement it'll take a while for it to come through so I suppose that's with that in mind that's a sort of the context and the why you might want to think about it even though um, you know, it might take a while for us to have the evidence. We know it's the right thing to do in the building. When we start to go, where do I get started? So I, I, I've started working with UCAS. And I'm like, I just don't know where to get started in this organisation that I'm in. What do I need to do? What, how would you advise me or support me? Yes. So this is my favourite question. When people come to us and they say, I don't know where to start with EDI. Because first of all, it takes a lot of courage to to say that, especially because a lot of people come to us and they're, they've done a few things and they're like, yeah, we've got this. We have got this. Actually, those ones who come to us and they're like, I don't know where to start. There's so much to do. What do I do first? And I can totally resonate with that overwhelm because when you actually look at EDI and you're going in solution first, so without understanding fully the problems that you've got, it can it must feel like trying to cut down a jungle with a pair of secateurs because there's you know all the different protected characteristics and then there's all the different types of things you can do you know you can do events you can do training you can do all of this stuff and there's probably people screaming somewhere so there's there may be like an HR issue that's happened to do with sexism for example there may be someone who said about micro race micro racist aggressions you know all those different things that people are like oh gosh what do I do then there's a whole policies do we need to rewrite this and that what we recommend is that you start from the very bottom so as a scientist and technologist I would always you know prepare my data so prepare the experiment what do we want to do what is the situation now is the first thing and how do we want to influence it is the second thing so the situation now was where i was back in 2017 when my organization looked at me and they're like you always talk about edi what do we do (laughs) and i was like this is where you need to know what we're dealing with here where are our actual gaps and they're like oh we've got a gender pay gap i'm like i know but there's a lot of contributing factors that lead to that and they will be spread across a number of different areas so the research that we did that three years of research that we did before we launched focused on what actually are those contributing factors to women not getting to leadership level at the same rate as men um, and then we extrapolated it in 2021 for different protected characteristics and what are their barriers and so the way that our platform works for people who don't know where to start you do a leadership self-assessment first so this is actually a session to align it feels like they're answering questions but what they're actually doing is aligning as a team so these can be facilitated not facilitated really really easy we created it so that an hr person with very limited budget can go and they can facilitate it they can do it all by themselves it's 70 questions about the organization and diversity inclusion so the first one is this organization works hard to create an inclusive environment and culture on the face of it that is a very simple question and lots of people would just be like yes 
actually what uh, my hypothesis was they're just going to say yes to everything but actually when we launched they discussion came out and they you know one person would say well I think it's yes because you only get one set of questions and you have to collaborate as a team on putting that answer in. Ah, so you've got to come up with one answer it's not a survey as such it's actually you kind no. of collaborate to discuss it right Yes, and we did it on purpose. After we tested and I sat in on 50 more or more of these, what I realized was the value in that actually wasn't the answers they were giving. It was the discussion they were having to get to the answers. It actually doesn't matter what the answers are. You get really valuable things in terms of someone going, well, it feels like we could just do this right now. Or, well, we have this. We just need to calm it out a bit better because if half the room didn't know we had this and you know the employees obviously don't know we have it so this is going on the comms of this so you'll get those little things as well but the most valuable thing that comes out is you know i did one in person the other day in birmingham i facilitated this team of 24 leaders it was and they you know we surfaced so many areas of, of good practice i actually bought these colored balls because the groups were quite big so the answers are yes in progress no don't know so i brought these little colored balls like you would find at a kid's ball pit <laughs> and they, they thought it was quite amusing oh, thankfully um but they had to hold up green for yes red for no amber for in progress and blue for don't know and so they're holding these up and just by looking around the room People are like, oh, wow, we are not together on this point at all. Or there'll be some where everyone held up a red one. They're like, yeah, we don't do that, which is great. But then there was somewhere that half the room would be green, half the room would be red. And then you have really fruitful conversations where there was that mix of answers where, you know, the green ones are going, well, we actually do do inclusive socialising. We've worked really hard on it. And we, this is what we did for neurodivergent employees. This is what we did for parents. And we really made sure that everything didn't centre around alcohol. In fact, I can't think that when when a time was where we've had alcohol at a social event in the past year. And then there's the other group on the other side going, oh my gosh, I had no idea you were doing that. And so you surface these areas of really good practice. And what happens after that session is even though they've answered 70 questions and you've got those answers there, the leaders leave feeling like they've had their say, they've had their voice heard. But the most important thing is that they size EDI. So they've looked at every aspect of it and they leave going, oh my gosh, that's what EDI is. It's actually looking at the operation of the company and everything we do with the lens of, but do we work hard to make sure that part is inclusive? Do we work hard to think about our language when we do that thing? And it's those little things where, you know, they have this existential idea of what EDI is and they think well we need to go and change the world and solve systemic you know you know imbalance uh, but we're just a grounds maintenance company how can we go out and do that it's like oh well actually you do it through your normal operation so that's a really powerful exercise and then the second part is the employees they get their say so it asks partner questions all around the feelings and the thoughts and the beliefs so we don't ask this organization works hard to create an inclusive environment and culture we ask do you feel included? How do you incl feel included in the social scene? Do your are your thoughts and opinions valued and sought out? How do you feel about you know? Do you have friends in the office? It's those sorts of things. You know, can you can you raise an, an important matter? And so we look at all those different aspects of inclusion in a really actionable way because asking someone you know do you feel like you belong here and you get that segment of people that say no on the face of it, you're like, okay, well, that's valuable data, but it's not actionable data because what the action off the back of that is, but why though? So that leads you into all these working groups and these sessions where anonymity is removed, first of all, and it's loads of extra work for the people who are already feeling that they don't feel like they belong um, and, and the HR team as well. So we try to get to you as far as we can 
without you know just using data and so then the the idea is that then that you can act off the back of that in whatever way you you want and we do that in a really financially accessible way so consultant level data at a fraction of the cost so let me just unpick this bit here in terms of um understanding this so that's your your tools do do this but i guess if someone's listening and they're going i just want to do a really sort of basic level of this they could it's not like the process of the leadership piece in itself the conversation is really powerful by getting people to talk about things so they could choose i don't know five questions and get a debate going in a management team meeting about you know what was our last social event and how truly inclusive was it or whatever you might go down the employee yeah. questions so I, I just wasn't sure if i followed the bit where you said how included do you feel um do you need to do you're saying you do it without you can do it on data or do you need to get them into focus groups or i wasn't quite sure whether i followed that bit there so you're saying it's it was kind of efficient the way you were describing you were gathering that data yes exactly so we send a link out to all the employees and they just answer questions anonymously that's the way the employee side works yeah. and once they have finished the data is ready and you can look after you can look at it um the way that we do it with the employees is we we give a free text box with every question so they can add more flavor if they want to and sometimes people get really chatty which is actually really helpful to have that verbatim but we we try to get you as far as we possibly can without needing to do any boots on the ground stuff without needing to do any workshops or anything like that because that's where the cost comes in when you need someone to go in and sit in a room with people not only are you paying that person usually an astronomical day rate yeah. but you're all so you're losing that you know the, the staff aren't working when they're sitting in the workshop yeah, talking to true. you about it and again um, small meet side of businesses that's absolutely vital isn't it in terms of having an efficient way of getting that data exactly yeah so eight to ten minutes you know 20 minutes if you're feeling completely dissatisfied in every possible area so we had a testing group who were like you are the most upset employees you possibly can be about every aspect of everything. <laughs> it still only took them 20 minutes. So the way that we do it is we've got indicators and we've got diagnostics. So if you answer an indicator going, you know, nothing to see here, everything's fine. So for example, uh, I feel like I belong here. If you say agree, strongly agree, next question. If you say neither agree nor disagree, disagree or strongly disagree, we'll ask you four indicator questions just to pinpoint exactly what it is that you're feeling in terms of belonging so that we can give you, you know, we can get you through it in a, in a quick time as an employee, but we can give HR the really valuable data that means you don't have to do that extra work. You know, you know, you've got an issue with belonging, you know, it's to do with the social scene and it's mainly your parents who are feeling it. Great. You can totally act off that level of data. Right. So basically what, what we're talking about here is you've you've set these diagnoses in place, which are very specific to EDI that an organisation could kind of um, superimpose, I guess, on their audience quite efficiently, as opposed to having to go through your performance. Well, would you also go the other way in where you go? I, I think we've got an issue with only white males, sorry to pick on white males, getting the promotions or you know parents leaving or whatever it is. Would you go both ways at it or? Um, is it mainly through your diagnostics approach? So we recommend that there's questions in there about those things. So there's questions in there about your recruitment. Do you monitor your recruitment data for discrepancies in terms of de uh, de demographics and, you know, your lever data, et cetera? We will pick up whether one group or other is dissatisfied and are about to churn through the process. Yeah. Um, but we will do that by exception. What we recommend to people is that you get the data first um, and then see whether you have a problem. So oftentimes people come to us and they're like, you know, we can, you know, 
all of our parents are leaving, for example. And instead of going and looking at that lever data, we would go, let's find out why they're leaving, you know, because this is what the data will tell you. It will tell you the perks, benefits and provisions are not adequate. It will tell you it's a flexible working issue or it's the social scene or I'm not being paid enough to cover my childcare costs. The data will all come out in that process. And so instead of looking at the symptoms, we try to get the root cause straight away. And then if there is an issue, so we had an organization where they did have an issue where you know there was such a white organization and they find, found it really hard to um, attract talent of color. They weren't getting any applications. And so we did a really specific piece of work for them and researched that specifically with a group of people of that demographic who, you know, we, we did a whole exercise with them. They looked at the website, they looked at their presence on social media and on LinkedIn and so on. They went through the applications process and we recorded it all. And that was a really specific piece of work because, we, you know, the data said they had a problem in that area and they didn't know what to do about it. Um, so we'll only try and fix problems when we know there are problems to be fixed, which makes me feel better, you know, morally, because we could make a ton, We you know, we could totally rebrand make a ton of cash going in and going you know we'll fix your recruitment process or whatever it is but actually I would prefer to be able to measure again the next year and go did that thing work yeah how are we and was now? it broken basically as well yeah, yeah exactly and treat the root cause you know rather than sticking a plaster on something actually let's find out what's going on and it sounds like um it's more than so when people are leaving you might get some data through um exit interviews for example but what you're doing is more of a, a that a whole uh, across the piece so you might pick things up before it's happening you can nip it in the bud you've got a greater chance of resolving things exactly yeah so we've got those those usual questions you know I've seen myself working at this organization two years time and so on and we've got all those questions about you know my work is challenging enough I'm proud to work at this organization all of those ones um, but demographically disaggregated and in the context of EDI so we can see right it's this group and they're raising a massive red flag and then when we look at the sections on you know say actions towards diversity and inclusion or flexible working or perks and benefits or harassment discrimination victimization even we'll be able to see all the different contexts and go, right, we can piece together the story from this data. Um, this group, you know, you're at risk of losing all of your women, for example, or all of your employees of colour, you know, because it will come out in the data that they are really unhappy. And how would you see this links with engagement? Because I can feel there's overlap, but maybe it's more sort of segregated. Is it more giving more um, dimensions to engagement? Yeah, so it is engagement, really. Um, actually, it is. It's a very much it's in-depth version of it. Um, so what a number of our organisations said to us in 2022, we don't want to do our engagement survey and do this. So can you put a couple more engagement questions in? The most important ones and the most valuable ones to us are these ones. Um, we put that through our research process with the universities and we added those in so that and we're not advocating, you know, throw your engagement survey out the window. If you love your engagement survey and everybody understands it and that they're, they're engaged with it, yeah. by all means, keep it on. Um, this is a, a very in-depth version of that. So you will get engagement as well, um, but you will also get a heck of a lot of other stuff, too. Yeah, that's awesome. because you're getting engagement is great, isn't it, in terms of but it is blanket. And so if what, what's even more useful is understanding if engagement differs between um, different diverse groups. Right. Because then and that's where you get belonging in some areas and others. So that's quite interesting. You mentioned you have a research process through the universities. What does that look like? 
So um, being a scientist, I needed to make sure that all of our questions were absolutely, they were stand up against rigorous inspection. <laughs> and we have had some organizations who are like, tell us all about the process to get these questions. And I'm like, yes, I would love to. Um, so I learned a lot about the way to ask questions. Um, so you need to ask them in a way that's not leading. Yeah. You need to ask them in a way that um, is, you're not asking two things at once. So for example, uh, my opinions here are sought out and valued. You wouldn't ask that question. You'd ask if they're sought out and then separately you would ask if they're valued. Um, you need to uh, make sure your language is completely accessible. So explaining any terms that you use that people may not, you know, if people have a second uh, using English as a second language. We try to make sure that we have an average reading age of age 10 for all of our questions, um, just so that everyone can access them. And yeah, it's, it's a process. So not only do we have to do that with the questions, but we also have to make sure that the questions index to the section. So if we're saying to all uh, employees, we're going to talk about belonging and psychological safety now. And then if there's a question in there that kind of sticks out in the indexing process that jars with the rest of the answers, it shows that if if you're in flow of thinking about thinking about this and thinking about flexible working think about flexible working and then there's a question in there that's not quite about flexible working then it's it it messes the data up massively so you have to move that one and then you have to test again and so on so we went through that really big long process the very first time and then every time we ask questions every time we add questions in and retire then we go through that process again just because i want the data to be as clean as the whistle yeah rigorous okay great yeah. Okay, brilliant. So I, I, I get it. I can see how um, you can run your engagement survey along here. Or actually, if you're a bit fed up of your engagement survey, this is engagement with bells on, right? This is it, it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's giving you, um, you know, a way of looking at how things are impacted in terms of your organisation across all types of different um, demographics, etc. So once you've got that data, what do I do next? What sort of top tips would you have for people if they want to take things forward? Yes. So they always, uh, our main aim is to get people to take things forward. So our system has recommendations in, you add them to an action plan. And the idea is you get to executing that action plan as quickly as possible. What I always try and encourage people to do is to pick the low hanging fruit and do something about it as soon as possible after people have engaged with the assessment, because you want them to feel like their time, the time that they spent was actually valuable and that you have listened and you're ready to act. So uh, pick off any low-hanging fruit that you can do. So if people have shown an appetite for training on how to have difficult conversations, which is one that always comes up, you always get, you know, sometimes 45% of people say, I'd love some training on how to have difficult conversations. It's those ones that you're like, okay, that's a really easy one to do. Just you know, 800 quid, we'll get you one of our trainers, get that session up and running. You know, you said you wanted this, we're going to deliver it. And that buys you time then to go and do the deep analysis work. So it, there will be uh, an element of looking at your plans for the year and interspersing all of these things into it. So a lot of people will do this assessment before they do their planning for the year because it will lead into their strategy. Like basically this is your EDI strategy for the year. So there'll be something in terms of, right, we need to recommunicate out the fact that we are monitoring gender pay gaps because everybody said that we weren't and we are. So we'll do, let's do a comms exercise on that. Let's think about how to do this. There was something that came up around the social scene in the sales department. It wasn't massively inclusive for these particular groups. Let's go do a workshop with them. Okay, let's plan that in, et cetera. So in, 
the worst thing that anyone can do is get stuck in the analysis phase. And we've had a com- couple of companies who they've got, like they're really data-y companies and they get stuck in the analysis phase and they want to mix and match the data and present it in all these funky ways and get it out, put it in Power BI and present this. And you're like, yeah, but you've spent nine months doing that and you need to do it again in three months and you haven't actually done anything. And there were some big red flashing lights for me that came up there. And instead of going, oh my gosh, that's bad. We need to act on it straight away. You've gone, let's analyze this a bit more yeah. though. And it's like, well, come, how obvious do you want to make it? You know, yeah. <laughs> you've got a big problem. We need to act on it. So we try and get people to have that balance of show that you're doing stuff, talk about the data regularly, reference it in all of the you know presentations that you do quarterly or in your all hands meetings, talk about, right, we did the assessment. This is the power by diversity sector. And we're going to talk about EDI. You said you wanted this. We've made progress in this area. Area We had this workshop, et cetera, because the more you show that you're using their input, the more likely they are to engage next time. You're Absolutely. Yeah, it's like, like the engagement thing. Because so, if you're just measuring it for measurement's sake, or are you actually going to do something with it to move things forward? So even if it's little, you know, like you said, low-hanging fruit, I think you said right at the start, it's the little wins. Why not? Um, it's actually taking yeah. those forward. makes total sense. Okay, great. So, so I guess we've talked around quite a lot of aspects of this. I, I have to say, I, we'll put links to what you do because I can see the value of, of your um, your system for sure. And I don't normally plug businesses on here, but I can see how it would be really useful in terms of an, an organisation there. For, so from the point of view of me, if I want to think about this, actually, I'm thinking, if I'm in an organisation, do I want to get on with this? I might have thought, I don't know where to start. And the whole thing is what you can do, you're giving us it doesn't have to use your system. They could just ask some questions. They could pick up some areas where you think things have a leadership yeah. discussion. You could design a little survey. You've done the hard work, but it sounds like you could look at what you do and see how easy it is to do that. But you could do it that way and start there, identify Absolutely. some gaps, put some things in place. So that makes sense. The reason we should do it, we said it is about, you know, it's about employer brand, it's about retention, it links into everything. But what for me has really come through is I've been thinking for a while, I mean, engagement's been around 25 odd years and it is quite high level it's quite generic so this really gives much more depth doesn't it to engagement because you could very easily have a high engagement score but have a whole pocket of people massively disengaged so this is where you go back to your company that you worked with and you know they're very much of a certain type of employee making sure that you're making the most of diverse talent and we're including people so I like the idea of this in terms of breaking it down and getting more into depth you talked about making sure people start from the bottom up rather than the solution down, like, oh, this sounds like, a, let's, let's go and celebrate this this uh, festival or whatever. Let's actually understand where are we currently? What bits do we want to influence? Let's not boil the ocean. Let's focus on certain aspects. Um, your areas go leadership, which makes total sense, understanding that, get them to think about it, talk about it, facilitate, because you're going to have different pockets. I did, I did smile wryly when you said, sales events maybe have I mean certainly I used to be in sales and they were very alcohol fuels I think there's certain aspects of more um, cultures are more or less inclusive I don't know if that's still the same same as it was and then getting the employee questions which really gives you the depth um, and then you're saying pick up some quick wins and get started with it by all means I'd analyze it but get started with things you can do because I guess it's a benchmark right it's about the journey it's not something you just do and it's done it's over oh, that is the most yes that's the most important takeaway that people can have because actually I think people expect it's like a one and done thing 
and there's so much pressure with this pulse culture that we're in of like oh my god we had some data we need to whack-a-mole it down before the next time the pulse survey goes up we say to people take 12 months and just pick one or two things that you really want to like bed down to a cultural level to the to the point where you're influencing people's thoughts and feelings and beliefs because this is what we're going to ask them about and just do that really well make a really good go of that bit and then pick the next two things you know this is not the you don't need to close your gender pay gap overnight and actually if you did you're probably doing some nefarious practices because it's a lagging indicator it's wildly uncontrolled metric to monitor and actually if you do really good foundational things and you make really good marginal gains year on year you will get there and actually you'll get there with more sustainable things in place than if you're like panicking and being like oh my gosh quick we need to whack them all everything back yeah um so yeah marginal gains is key so it's it's strategic it's, it's a marginal gains, and it's about highlighting this is a long-term strategy it's not a quick quick fix and making sure it's tied into everything else absolutely Brilliant, Kat. Oh, it's fascinating talking to you. I love the sound of what you've been doing. Um, if people want to get hold of you or find out more about your business, how would they do that? Yes, you can find us on social media. So we're at PV Diversity on uh, X and <laughs> Instagram. Uh, we're on LinkedIn, just search Powered by Diversity. And you can email me, cat at poweredbydiversity.org. And that's cat spelt like the meow with a C-A-T. Um, but yeah, I'm around. Search me, Cat Wild Mode on LinkedIn, and I will be there. <laughs> Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you so much for joining me on the HR Uprising podcast, Cat. Thanks for having me. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.